Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. When it comes to contraception, women have the lion's share of options. But men's birth control options and therefore responsibilities could soon be expanding. So how far away are we from seeing the likes of a non-hormonal male contraceptive pill in our pharmacies? And why is it taking so long to develop? Uh, Dr. Gunda Georg is a Regents Professor and Director of the Institutes for Therapeutics Discovery and Development at the College of Pharmacy at the University of Minnesota. That is a long title, but you're very welcome regardless, Gunda. How are you? Right. Uh, I'm excellent. Thank you very much for having me this morning. Great. Well, um, this is a really interesting uh, subject for me. Let, let's fir- first talk about the options currently open to men. There are very few, right? And they, and they aren't uh, super reliable. Yeah, so of course there's the condom, which is actually quite reliable on correct use. Uh, but apparently, you know, I guess correct use is maybe sometimes difficult uh, to do. And so then, uh, of course, the failure rate is a little higher. Um, the other option, of course, is vasectomy. And vasectomy is, for the most part, I would say, you know, irreversible. And so that's really an option not for many people and it's a i mean the the surgical procedure is apparently not very invasive but after all it is a surgical procedure and some men may just not want that done of course i I should have said um they are reliable but not uh, not ideal um so the the work obviously has been done trying to find a, a male contraceptive and how is that trickier or how is that um more problematic than making a pill for women? Why is it taking so long? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, a lot of people have pondered this because when the female birth control pill, uh, which is based on uh, hormones, was introduced in the 1960s, everybody thought, you know, this male pill is going to be right behind. And so this approach, a hormonal approach uh, for male contraception relies on testosterone. And it is sort of counterintuitive, perhaps, that testosterone is a male contraceptive. But you have to realize that if you give testosterone to a man, there's a negative feedback in the brain that will tell the testis to stop producing testosterone. And testosterone in the testis is totally critical for spermatogenesis. And so that's what was done. But of course, there are a number, I mean, there's a number of problems with that. First of all, testosterone uh, is not very well orally bioavailable, okay? So you have to have an injection and you have to have this injection every three months. And that's not really very, you know, I mean, who wants to be injected with some kind of an oily emulsion every three months? So that's a a drawback, I think. And then there were um, a number of side effects, um, particularly weight gain, cardiovascular risk, um, depression. Uh, So a number of side effects that are, you know, I guess cannot be tolerated by by many. And uh, I always say, you know, when you um, are already depressed uh, and you then take sort of a testosterone-based type of um, contraceptive agent, then that depression might get worse. So for some men, you know, it might be great uh, and they can tolerate it, but for some, um, it cannot be tolerated. And so, you know, what we're striving at is giving men more options. And also we want to have maybe something that's non 
that's not hormonal and not, you know, interfere even with libido because men have reported decreased libido. And I don't think that's going to go over very well with men, right? No. Uh, I and suppose so, if, you, if, if you're trying to, um, uh, you know, reduce the chance of pregnancy, you're probably sexually active. It defeats the purpose then if right. that um, treatment gives you a lack of libido. Yeah, exactly. And so it's all about choices. And people don't realize this. You know, um, there are, there is probably about a thousand potential ways how you can develop a male contraceptive agent. And we have just sort of just do, done a few at this point in time. You know, yeah. there's lots of opportunity in the future. And so, yeah, of course, we we have pursued several as well. And we're pursuing several. We're pursuing two approaches. One approach where we, um, you know, reduce sperm count. And then we have another approach where we uh, work on reducing sperm motility because right. sperm once ejaculated has to move up, you know, to the you know, oviduct and, and, and so forth. And so if we can just interfere and then sort of paralyzing the sperm, that's another approach. And that's really great. And that's what we're working on. Okay. So obviously, as a man, when you talk about paralyzing the sperm, you know, I, I start getting horror stories of what might happen if that doesn't work or it half works and so on. When sure. you talk about paralyzing a sperm, what, what exactly do you mean? And and maybe it might be useful to explain um, how sperm start to move once they are um, ejaculated into the vagina. Yeah, so the sperm, of course, need to move move up to the oviduct. And, and what happens, actually, they uh, have to attach to the wall of the oviduct. And then they're waiting for the egg to give them chemical signals to move forward. Then they don't do this when to... they're inside the testes, right? They, they're sort of No, no, sleeping. they're passive in they're the sleeping in, Yeah, they're in, sleeping. Yeah. yeah, 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 they're sleeping. Waiting for yeah, their chance. They're, they're waiting for their chance. And when they get out, they really need to rush up there to the egg. And uh, as I said, they, they attach to the wall of the oviduct and, um, and wait for this chemical signal when the egg is ready to be fertilized. And then uh, there are not many that make it up there, actually. And then, however, they need to do what's called, I guess, the, the hypermotility is initiated. So they move, you know, sort of like forward in a flagellar type of way. Uh, and then, but when they get the signal, they sprint. Yeah. yeah. And so they have this, uh, you know, flagellar motion uh, moving forward. And they have to, you know, they have to do that kind of motion. And if we can prevent that, um, then that's good. And I can tell you, we have um, a project ongoing where we have shown that in vitro fertilization is not happening. So what we do, we have we have eggs uh, from, from mice and we add mouse sperm to this and we add our one compound or we have a couple of compounds to this. And then, um, you know, then basically you have uh, the sperm and the egg totally in, in you know like in, in in close vicinity right and so that's in vitro fertilization yeah. the chances that you fertilize are very high but in the presence of our compound we get a 90 percent inhibition of uh, that process okay so it, it's pretty good because you know it's it's much more easy in an in vitro fertilization process for the sperm to fertilize an egg than in, in, in nature is, or is it under natural to, conditions. Is it easy to get a compound like that into a man to stop that 
um, that motility, that movement that you're talking about? Is that a difficult thing to do or do, is it just a matter of, of swallowing a pill and that compound will find its way throughout the body and specifically to the sperm? Yeah, so that's what we're hopefully, I guess, achieving one of these days, that we will have a, uh, a pill uh, that can be either taken, um, you know, daily, or uh, there's a lot of interest in on-demand contraception. So that means you take the pill 20 minutes before intercourse or something like that, or half an hour. Now, I don't know what the timing might be. And then it would, you know, go throughout the body and go also to the to the sperm and um and then uh, the hopefully you know i guess when the sperm is ejaculated they're paralyzed rather than yeah. uh, taking a, a condom and sticking it in your wallet um actually taking this pill before you go out uh, i suppose hoping to uh hoping to connect with somebody uh, <laughs> yeah. presumably this isn't a switch on switch off it's it, presumably you need you, you wouldn't start trying for a family two days after um, taking this pill, right? Or, or have you gone that far with these mice? No, no, we haven't really gone that far, uh, actually. So um, as a matter of fact, everything that we have done so far is, is sort of in vitro. I mean, we can, you know, add these compounds to sperm that we have collected, and then we can see the phenomenon. And we have, of course, worked on a good number of uh, compounds uh, from different chemical series. And we're just um, at this point in time deciding which to use in an actual mating study, because that's that's sort of the golden standard in the field. You know, yeah. you can show that the sperm is not doing well or the sperm is reduced or something like that. Um, but you've got to do a mating study. And so that's what we're working on right now. You, you talked about uh, reducing motility, the movement of the sperm being one thing. What is the other approach that you're also currently investigating? Yeah, so, you know, as you probably are aware, we hope to take one of our uh, compounds to a clinical trial, hopefully in a, in a few months if uh, we get FDA approval. And this approach um, relates to reduction of sperm count. And so I guess we know that a, if a man has uh, less than 1 million sperm per milliliter of ejaculate, that that is uh, basically infertility. So it's not zero, we don't have to go to zero, we have to go you know, as low as, I guess, per ejaculate, about 4 million. And that's not contraceptive uh, anymore. Uh, that's contraceptive. And that's what I mentioned before, you know, even so there's a, there's a lot of sperm uh, uh, ejaculated, few actually make it up to the oviduct. Yeah. They, they, they get lost on the way, so to speak. <laughs> and so what's the approach of this? Because it's not about slowing down, it's about reducing sperm count. How do you do that? Yeah. So this is related to what's called retinoic acid receptors. They are expressed in the sperm. And for the spermatogenic cycle, uh, at many stages, you know, the sperm starts out uh, in the seminiferous tubules and needs to, I guess, from the stem cell needs to develop and to um, build or, or form um, the, the, the sperm as we all know it, right? And so that process is really dependent at four different stages uh, on the presence of, uh, or on the activity of this retinoic acid receptor. And right. we are targeting particular one that's called alpha. There are three, they're called alpha, beta, gamma. And so we're targeting this, uh, this alpha 
a receptor. And uh, so if you, um, I guess, block these receptors, uh, then, uh, you know, sperm will not develop. And um, so you get, you know, reduced uh, sperm counts. Hmm. Now, the the issue, of course, is that you want to uh, induce uh, infertility, but you want it also to be reversible. Yeah. And and so and that's kind of an interesting fact that even in the 1930s there were reports that if you put animals, mice, rats, on a vitamin A deficient diet, they become sterile because they have reduced sperm count. And um, then if you restore uh, the vitamin A. Uh, then they become fertile again. And so that already in the 1930s showed that this might be a good approach that we are taking now and that it's not only inducing infertility, but that it's reversible, which is very, very super important. Right, but when you're reducing the activity of a specific protein, and and I see you had, um, had really good success knocking this gene out and seeing that this just really works as approach. The worry, of course, is that this protein is important in other things. And of course, vitamin A itself is very important. Um, And that's, I suppose, it's very difficult to model that. Is that correct? You just have to do the trials and see what happens. Is that right? Yeah. Now, of course, what we have done is we have uh, tested this molecule in mice, rats, dogs, and now also in non-human primates. So in every species, it has been effective, which is, of course, important also. And we have not seen uh, any side effects uh, at all. And we have monitored quite a bit potential side effects. We have monitored for quite a few, but, you know, it's not all comprehensive and we don't know what's going to really happen then in vivo. But uh, the fact that we have these non-human primate data that show, you know, both uh, induction of um, infertility, reversibility, and really well tolerated. And then we also look at blood, for example, at the blood. Uh, we look at testosterone. We, we, we check as much as we can. Um, and we haven't seen anything that made us think we will have any any problems. And, and But you're right. We, we will have to see um, how, how the compound behaves in the clinic. Yeah. Okay, so that's really exciting, uh, Gunda. I, I suppose the first question is, are men going to take it? How much of a demand is there for a male pill when there are very successful methods of uh, contraception available for women? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I think people underestimate uh, the willingness of men to participate more in mm. uh, contraception. And there was even like 15 years ago, a study, a worldwide study done and uh, it, there were a lot of men indicating that they would be willing to, um, you know, take more of the burden and, and, and be, you know, interested in a male contraceptive agent. But I think even now things have changed more. And there is an unpublished study that I became aware of, of um, that was recently conducted uh, a survey. And I think it was 65 to 70 percent of men who were asked whether they would you know, be open to trying a male contraceptive said yes. Hmm. And uh, it was strongly uh, related to gender issues, gender equality issues. That's what apparently the um, participants were indicating. That's, you know, I think the awareness of those issues um, is perhaps more prevalent this in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, I uh, suppose as, as, as a man, remembering when I was single, 
um, and this would have been an issue. Having control over that is 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 it was very important to men. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the second question is, why is this area so underfunded? Is it is it another example of it being uh, perceived as a women's issue, and and that's one of the reasons why because we, this science doesn't seem to be as targeted towards women's health. Although this is men's fertility. Uh, I'm just really surprised we haven't figured this out sooner, given um, the, you know, the, the, the endless possibilities, as you say, to, to, to improve contraceptions for men. So why, why is it not uh, a hot topic, so to speak? Yeah, Naya, I, I, you know, I hope it will become a hot topic again, because I think there's much more excitement about it at this point in time. And I have been contacted by various people, uh, you know, even organizations that want to maybe get involved. Um, I, I think a major reason, of course, was, you know, like we had the female, we have the female birth control pill, we have already a lot of things. Uh, so maybe there was the need wasn't felt as much. Mm. Um, the other issue, however, is the high risk. As a pharmaceutical, as a major pharmaceutical company, you want to, uh, you know, not take on risky projects. You know, if you go for cancer, and you have side effects, you know, it's going to be tolerated, you right. know, I mean, people know that, um, you know, most medications do have some kind of side effect. And I mean, when you read the long list, you know, on any drug, you, <laughs> you're going to be afraid to take it, right. And so but the risk certainly is higher for a contraceptive agent, because we're not treating a disease. And we are giving it to young people. And so it, it, it's just it's just it's not easy to 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 make a drug that's without side effects, you know. And 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 so that's, particularly that's when you're the talking about when you're talking about you know future generations potentially if you're the, right. you know, if something goes wrong in a clinical trial that that, that is a, right. a a big fear I'm sure. But it's great yeah. to hear that there yeah. are men who are willing to 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 try out this treatment and advance it. So let's hope that you have um, good success with your clinical trials. I think it's it's something that is really important. And it, and it is for a lot of men, as I say, important to be able to take control of their own fertility. Um, Dr. Gunda Georg from the University of Minnesota, thanks very much for your time. Right, my pleasure. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.